Captain's Log 1152. Yeah, we getting One Piece numbers in this bit. It's been a great two years for anime and manga. We've seen series like Hell's Paradise and Fire Force come to a close. We've also been one of the best arcs in One Piece that we've had in a very long time, and I've really thoroughly enjoyed it in Wano. And JJK has been going absolutely crazy following up the acclaimed Shibuya arc with Colin Games. Needless to say, the Worst Gen chat has been going absolutely nuts as we talk about what's next, what's to come, what do we want to see, and what are we most excited for. It led me to think, we should do an episode about post-arc priorities. We talk a lot about our arc and what we want to see when things are going on, but we don't really talk much about the transitions and what do we want to see first after our arc. Do we want to see the new stakes that are coming? Is world building more important to us? Do we care about character development? Or do we just want to see loose ends tied up from the last arc? Are we upset if loose ends aren't tied up? So that's what we got into today. This episode is post-arc priorities in Animanga. And we're joined by two special guests to help us break down things and really get into this conversation. Without further ado, let's get it. up supernovas and welcome back to the worst generation podcast the exploratory anime and manga podcast i'm your host gb and this is another pre-recorded episode that we bring into y'all as always these topics are going to go a little bit deeper than the stuff you normally hear me talk about on one of my other shows anime after dark um so today uh we have an episode and that one will be any manga post art priorities this episode kind of came to mind for me uh we recently got uh, and I'm saying this with quotes. We recently got to what some are calling the end of Wano in One Piece. Uh, I don't necessarily agree that this is the end of Wano, but it did spark the idea in my head. What really matters to me at the end of an arc? Uh, what am I looking for as we transition into the next arc? And um, what things are am I trying to you know see at the very end of the arc? So uh, here we go with this episode. Uh, as always, I got to get into it. I got to introduce the crew that I have with me first. Tonight, I only have one crew member from the Worst Gen Pod. But if I have to bring anybody to war with me, I'm glad that I got this brother. He is the first mate of the pod, Mr. Twitter Fingers, uh, the guy that's behind all of our social media handles and everything we got going on. I got my man, One Piece Leak. Yo, yo, what up? It's One Piece Leak. Glad to be back for another podcast episode with my dogs from Studio Maho. It's been a long time, but we back. As Leek said, we got the big dogs from Studio Maho in the house tonight. Uh, it is always a blessing when we get this brother to come over. Uh, he is still, him and his partner alike, uh, they still hold the highest number of views for any interview episode that we have on the pod. And it is still climbing to this day. It's always refreshing to see more people are listening to their interviews. And they are some of my favorites. Uh, you know this guy has one of the heads of Studio Maho. He's a professional writer and entrepreneur, the author of God Punch, 
which is a shonen S story following a young man who discovers he's blessed with power many can only dream of, and suddenly he finds himself living the worst of his nightmares. Definitely one that you need to check out. He's also the co-founder of Studio Maho, along with uh, our boy Yimbama. And uh, Studio Maho is a black-owned creative studio whose mission is to create a diverse manga and animation brand that focuses on relatable characters, diversity, and uh, most of all, something that's very important to me as a reader, unique storytelling. Uh, without further ado, I give y'all the man, the myth, the legend, my boy Pat. Whoa, what's popping, everybody? It's your boy Pat, aka Honorable Gumbo, aka the Gumbo Goon. Always an honor to be back with family, man. Where it all started, you know what I'm saying? You always got to come home. It's like homecoming for me, man. Thank y'all for having me back. I'm, I'm excited to get this thing cracking, man. We got so much to catch up on. And also with us today on the episode, we have another member of Studio Maho, who, of course, will be a real nigga because Pat doesn't roll with anything less. Uh, we have a brother that is, uh, you know, he got the smart, the tinge in his voice. You know, you talk to somebody, you be like, hey, that nigga got a little brains behind him. Uh, and I hope he would, because if you are interacting with Studio Maho on the web, he is a person that's probably inf uh, influential in your experience. Give it up for my man, CJ. Yo, yo, what's good? Name is CJ Stroh. Appreciate y'all for having me, man. Lifetime, long, uh, long time listener, first time contributor. I appreciate you for pulling up, bro. It's always a blessing to, uh, you know, get people to come talk anime and manga with us, man. Uh, can't say enough about that. I like that you said you're a, a lifetime listener. You know, we, we only been around for a little bit of time, but lifetime just sound good. Oh, absolutely. I, I've been around since the first one, man. And I just started joining the Spaces, so they've been a real good experience to be a part of. Definitely uh, fuck with the spaces. For anybody that doesn't know, we do Enemy After Dark every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. CST, and it's always a good vibe. Uh, come, you know, bring some drinks, bring some weed, whatever. Uh, it is a social community hangout, and we fucking love that shit. Uh, so, fellas, let's, get, let's go ahead and get up into this episode. Uh, the first thing that I want to know from you guys, uh, normally I reserve this spot for moment of the week, but I'm going to give... Pat, I'm going to give you the option since you are our guest today. Um, oh. You can talk about a moment of the week, and that would be something like uh, anime or manga, something you read or watched recently that was just a, a bomb-ass moment. Mm -hmm. And, or, you can talk about what's been going on with Studio Maho and catch the people up about everything you got going on. I assume you'll do both, but, you know, you got the option. So I got a moment of the week, but that moment of the week can only be shared off the pod. You know, I got to hit y'all with some exclusives. Um, that can't be shared just yet. Um, we'll talk about so, that so, after the show, there. Yeah, talk about that after the show. Um, it's, it's some real good stuff. Um, I, I wish I could say it right now, but we, we got to get some paperwork signed first. Um, but as far as Studio Maho, man, um, I think there's a lot been going on uh, with us, bro. Like, I've really been focusing on like trying to take care of the business part and become like a true animation studio. So, um, you know, like I told you earlier, you know, uh, well, like CJ told you, you know, he came on, you know, systems administrator, you know what I'm saying? Somebody take care of the tech side of things, you know, make sure the Discord cool, make sure the website running effectively, Enter, uh, any other tech stuff that I need. CJ is also a big gamer as well. So, you know, we about to have that Maho Gaming coming on Twitch soon. So, you know, be on the lookout for that. Uh, but aside from that, bro, like, I'm really, really excited about the animation department. I'm not sure if everybody saw, but um, we dropped, like, that great uh, animated logo that we did. The street and, saw, um, bro. The street saw. Man, 
I'm happy the streets saw, and I'm happy everybody was receptive. Um, and it was it was big because you know it kind of solidified that like okay we're not just calling ourselves an animation studio like this is something that we do. And so um, you know now we're actually working on the first God Punch short um, short animation clip, and I'm really excited about that. You know we 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 actually you know getting that into production and we starting a storyboard. So that's, that's just a little bit of what we've been into, man. But if I got to talk about something, I'm really hyped just about where we're going, you know, and the direction that we're heading. That's dope as hell, bro. I always love that you uh, you focus on the foundation. Similar to me, like, uh, I feel like we connected on that really early about <laughs> wanting to run things like a business and, you know, have a yeah. solid legal foundation under us. So, like, it's always a pleasure to hear what you got going on in that sense. Yeah, bro. Like, I, and I agree. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, and it's it's boring to really talk about the business parts to some people, man. But it's like, you know, when when you take your crap seriously, you know, you got to do what it takes to to protect it and to to you know make sure it has some longevity. You know, like we're building brands that are gonna be around far after we're gone. You know, from this physical earth. You know, so we we got to make sure we do our part to build it right. You know, you can't build a house with no good foundation or it's gonna crumble. You know, so I, I I respect y'all so much for making sure y'all 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 got the nitty gritty taken care of. You know, yeah, man, that's all I'll be thinking about. Uh, especially like so in the situation we are with Anime After Dark, we just did DreamCon, which was a really really successful show for us. Uh, blew my expectations that I had for our first show out of the water. So um, I was packed. We saw packed we saw, house, we bro. Saw that shit was crazy, and so like having that expectation blown out the water you know it went from me feeling blessed and feeling grateful to also me recognizing like you got to move the timeline up on some of the things that you had planned like making sure that you had like a legal foundation set behind you and that you're ready to scale too because a, a, lot, a lot of people don't think about that that i mean everybody wants to be famous but like it's hard to remember you got to set the foundation and give yourself the ability to scale and grow so when that fame or whatever notoriety that you're looking for comes your way, you're able to still produce and deliver what you got to deliver in the moment. And so, um, yeah, man, it just it just forced me to kind of really look at things differently. And that's the mode I'm in right now. It's like, all right, it's time to, to beef this shit up. Oh, yeah, bro. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, CJ, you were at DreamCon. You were, you were at the Anime at the Dark panel, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So CJ, CJ was in the trenches. You know what I'm saying? So he he saw it firsthand. You know, I was at home. It was my anniversary weekend. Plus, I got the flu, bro. But I I, I kept up with everything. I saw the pics, the videos, and I was so proud. I was drunk off the champagne, but I remember, <laughs> if I remember correctly, I remember talking to CJ at the kickback too. Oh yeah, we we did, we did chat it up for a little bit. Yeah. But I was I was wasted off the champagne. Well, you just. Uh, <laughs> Bro, you know we only pop that champagne, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, whenever something great going, you know. So, so kudos to y'all, man. I'm excited to see where y'all go from here. Shit, you, I am, bro. Um, let's see. So we got Pat that's catching us up with Studio Maho. Uh, CJ, I'm gonna need a moment of the week out of you, though. Oh man, well, I guess the one I think I got to bring up is today's my birthday. So, okay. I just just been I didn't do much because I've been feeling a little under the weather, but I just been surrounded by all kinds of all good people. I just been getting nothing but love today, so it's been a real good day. I want to say though, uh, I did recently start rewatching Yu Yu Hakusho, which has been like 
really, really overdue. It's been years, and it's one of my favorite anime ever. So it's like, you know how you rewatch something, and it's like, it feels like you're watching it for the very first time, you know? Oh, I thought you was going to say Yu Yu wasn't hidden like it used to. No, no. You're not, go, you're not going where no. I thought you was going with this. Hold on, no. Absolutely. <laughs> I would never disrespect Yu Yu like that. It's okay. This is a safe space, bro. It is, not, it is not a safe space. Don't take the bait. It is I don't, not think, I don't think it's that safe. I don't think it's that safe. <laughs> Heck no. What was your, uh, so like, what is, uh, what's really hitting for you and you, you like, what are you looking at and being like, are you having moments like, yo, I forgot this happened and it's like revisiting that. Or are you just seeing it being like, I can't believe they did this quality of work back then. Like what, what is that feeling been like? Break that down. It's a little bit of both. Uh, you know, that whole discourse about what's better between dark tournament and chapter black. So I'm just like, you know what, let me revisit both of these arcs. Let me see if I can nip this in the bud for myself because it's, it's been a while. I, I, Honestly, forgot a lot of things about both arcs. Of course, Dark Tournament's up there in popularity, but it's like, I'm just trying to remind myself of the quality of both so that way I can come to an answer myself, you know? It's okay to say Chapter Black is better. It's okay. It is okay. Chapter Black is better, bro. Chapter Black is better. There's a, yes. Um, I, I, I have been on record saying I, I love the Dark Tournament, and I do. Like, I think... Uh, I think the Dark Tournament was excellent for Yu Yu. I thought it had, like, uh, it fits Yu Yu for me, and that's why I like it so much. But if we're comparing, like, the Dark Tournament versus Chapter Black, Chapter Black is definitely better. I think the storytelling is better. Things make more sense. Like, Tagoro never made much sense to me. It just works because he's badass. Um, but, and the animation that happened in Chapter Black was better, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was one, uh, that was one they really, because uh, that was what, I think that was Piro. Um, they really stepped the animation up in Chapter Black. I think, um, I think every anime, well, for, for the most part, like all the iconic anime, they have like the arc that they're famous for, but you know that there's better, you know. Um, and I think like when you have a show, like you know, Chapter Black is probably, I mean, uh, Dark Tournament is like it's iconic arc that like made it famous, but like we know that Chapter Black is better, yeah, it's it's their it's their tuning exams. Yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, that's fair. But we also know that Sasuke Retrieval Arc was better than Tuning Exam. Sasuke Retrieval Arc was way better. The, the storytelling, the pacing. Oh, wow, way better. Yes, yeah, that was, that was when boys became men. Them niggas grew the fuck up in that arc. But, yeah. I mean, Leek don't agree. Do you agree with better, even though you don't agree with way better? No, nah, it's, it's definitely better. I don't think it's way better, but it's definitely better. I felt like it was oh, way geez. better. Like, Sasuke Retrieval Arc, it really captured my emotion. Like, that shit had me on the edge of my yeah. seat. The, I thought I was right there with the and there's, no, there's no dull periods. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, though, all of OG Naruto, like, really hits, though. Like, you go from Land of Waves, tuning exam, then what? Um, you go to the Tsunade thing, and then you go to Sasuke Retrieval. Like, OG Naruto really didn't miss. Hey, that's a crazy streak right there. That's a crazy stretch to go on. One thing I will say about the Sasuke Retrieval arc, and we'll probably get into this in the episode, I think mm-hmm. one of the reasons why it's such a great arc is because of the tuning exam. So, like, you're yeah. you're introduced to these characters in the tuning exams, and you're getting to know them, but by the time we get to the Sasuke Retrieval arc, like, we've already identified with characters, and we know yeah. what we love about them. We've already, like, kind of been endeared 
to these characters. And so that's one of the reasons why the Sasuke Retrieval arc is so good because you've already connected with the characters that are, like, literally growing up in front of you in this mm-hmm. arc. Um, whereas, like, Chun Exams is, is an introduction. So, like, I found Chun Exams to be exciting and hype, but, like, Sasuke Retrieval arc just, it held my heart. Like, it gripped you me the whole way through the arc. Invested in the Sasuke Retrieval arc. Yeah. Like, you... Nigga, we cared about Kiba. Like, <laughs> like that says a lot. Yeah, bro. Like, that art, man. So, I, I mean, that's the major difference for me, and that's probably why I be going with, like, that shit was way better. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, man, that art, gas. Yeah. I got that up there with, like, probably my top five Shonen arcs, period, though. Like, Yeah. We uh we might have to unpack that list on another episode, bro. I might need to get that from you on the timeline. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, now nah, you you gotta tell these niggas about Kingdom. I be trying to tell them about Kingdom. Bro, hey, I'm getting to Kingdom. Give me a chance. I had <laughs> I had hella things on my list before you convinced me to slide Kingdom in there. So it's in the queue, and it's one of the only things in the queue that is constantly moving towards the front. Like I got shit in the queue that's constantly getting moved down, but like Kingdom has not lost its spot in line. It's, it's moving forward. Yeah, Kingdom. I. I, I was I was one of the people that like, you know, I'm gonna get to it when I get to it, but like when I got to it, bro, like, yeah, it was it moved into my top five all time. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Cause uh like, King, the, the reason Kingdom, like I started taking it serious is cause Lee said it overtook One Piece as his <laughs> top story. And that was a moment for me. Um, cause before yeah. that, Lee had said Kingdom was good, but it was a lot of niggas on the timeline that was saying Kingdom was good. And at the time when I was seeing all the Kingdom hype was around mm-hmm. the same time I was reading Solo Leveling. And niggas was also hyping Solo Leveling, which uh-huh. I thought was good, but it like I was kind of like, it's, it's, a hype it's a hype beast. To me, it was yeah. like Bleach, and I, I compared it to that, and niggas got mm-hmm. mad. But like I was like, it's a good story, but I think it's more hype than actual like substance, and that's okay. Uh, and it felt like Bleach in the sense that, like, the first arc captures you and you like, oh, the story finna be gas. But, like, yeah. maybe after that, like, arc three, it kind of, like, it just, it coasts on the marriage of the like, original story. That's, like, that great value Chimera and arc. And I'm like, yeah, I'm done yeah. with this shit. Yeah. I think solo leveling is definitely a poor man's Bleach. Um, in color. But, in color. In color. Uh, but now, <laughs> now, you know, the artwork, you know what I'm saying, and, and uh, the coloring was great, you know. Yeah, rest in peace, you know what I'm saying, to, to the illustrator. Yeah, yeah R.I.P. Yeah, but the Kingdom, it's rare that a series makes me feel like that. Like, I was reading that shit, doing the fucking Ray Lewis dance, like, in my house. I was so hyped, bro. <laughs> like, that, that shit like Bro, like, I'll tell you like this. Coalition arc? That's, that's my that's my go arc, bro. Coalition hey, arc, man. No, like... That should be uh, different. Once yeah, I get a good. once I get a couple more historicals under my belt, I want to do an episode about uh, the power oh. of historical series because um, I think it's something to be said about historical series. They have like a little bit of hyperbole in them, but like those stories is just some shit you like you couldn't even make up. Like this is just some real life shit. Uh, I think yeah. that's really special. I would love to do an episode about historical uh, series that are out there. Okay. And, but I gotta get Kingdom under my belt before I do that. It's a great binge, bro. It, it is a it is a wonderful binge. Um, Leek, what you got for moment of the week, bro? Ooh, 
I mean, we could go the obvious route and talk about One Piece, but I think I'm going to go back to my Ace of the Diamond read. Uh, I, I took like a week break because I finished the first part and now I'm in the second part and now they second years and it's just like the character development from these fucking kids, bro. This shit is, this shit is insane. And like, I, when it comes to like sports anime, I expect it to be like a lot of overhyped shit like uh, Kuroko no Basket or even to a lesser degree Haiku. But uh, I, I, might be, I might be able to say that the characters in yes. Ace No yes. Diamond, like I think it has the best example. Yes. Of a rivalry yes. that I've ever seen yes. when it comes to like a pro tag and a, I, I guess I call him a main character, Tuamara and uh, Furu, Furuya. That's probably like the best rivalry I've I've seen in. Uh, we got we got them, ladies and gentlemen. We got them hooks. Uh, I, I thought the combination of batteries was going to be the thing that hooked me in, um, because very early on, Furia was just my the character that I identified with, and then out of nowhere, it felt like. Uh, Samara just like broke his way into my heart and then I found myself looking at them as like a true rivalry and now they compete as to like who's my favorite character uh, along with uh, uh, May um, what's his last name from the uh, the blonde pitcher the other cold kid they be going crazy uh, oh you talking about from uh, the other thing yeah yeah, I know you're talking about the dude that lost, and I think he cut his hair or some shit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his yeah, name I mean, was uh, Naromia. Yeah, that's it. I'm so bad with names, bro. But um, that's a yeah, they. I got he's another one of my favorite characters, and uh, he's not like he's not competing with these other three, but I really like him a lot. Uh, that nigga Raichi. Todoroki. Yeah. Yeah, I love his character. I don't think you could like not character. love his character, but like, uh, they're really the reason why. Um, because I think I think Haiku does a good job of that with um, with Hinata and um, Kageyama, but I just I think Ace of Diamond just they do it better. Like it's it's not even a it's not even close to me. And the the difference is because in Ace of the Diamond they play the same position. Yeah. Whereas in Haiku, they don't play the same position. So it's a rivalry, but y'all can still be on the court at the same time. Like, y'all have two very different positions. Exactly. They got different skill sets, like different uh, – well, not just different skill sets, but, like, they're just aiming for different goals and stuff. So it doesn't quite compare. But, like, these niggas can't – they can barely exist at the same time. So it's just like, bro, somebody – like, who's going to be next? Um, Still my top moment uh, is still Furia when that nigga – Decided that he was the enemy and not the rain. That shit was cold to me. I don't know if you uh if you got there in the anime, but it's especially cold in the anime. Yeah, I haven't gotten there in the anime, but I've read that part already. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's especially raw in the anime. Uh, for me, I guess I'll just go with the obvious. One Piece was my moment of the week. Um, I I am really upset and sad because. Uh, I do know that YouTube, the One Piece YouTube community is going to run with the agendas. And so I know, like, Admiral stock is going to be in the fucking toilet after this oh, chapter. Yeah. yeah. And I hate that. I hate that the yeah. Admirals always get a raw deal, bro. But, like, what was this nigga supposed to do? It's bad, bro. And uh, the worst part is ain't no defense for it either. 
But it's like, what it would he really, have done? Like, yeah, they gonna push the agenda. But like, if you sit down and think about it with some common sense, like, what what would the nigga really have did? Like, he already taken on all these niggas that's on land. You taking then, on a whole country by yourself, right? And then you got the redhead pirates that's like possibly gonna pull up. Like, <laughs> he made the right you, decision. You that, yeah, you that's. Oh, I, I, like, I, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. So, my thing, my thing is, I. I know Al Kiji is somewhat laughing like, oh, these are the niggas y'all replaced me with? Comical. <laughs> like, like, like truly. Like Do you like, think truly, do you like, think Al Kiji would have stayed around though for that? I don't think Al Kiji would have gone in the first place because you know he's lazy. Facts. But I, I don't think Al Kiji was running from the smoke. I, I that I I've never seen Al Kiji run from a fight. I've never seen him run from a fight either. Uh I just feel like Bro, that's like you already got all these people that you up against, and then if you're trying to take on the whole redhead pirates, you're the only one that's here. I just that's yeah. just not a smart move, you know. Nah, it's, 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 that's, that's literally too Yonko. Yeah, bro. Going against. Yeah, it's the country of Wano. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I almost start kind of kind of lowered a little bit. So yeah, they stock gonna be down in the gender world. Uh, redhead stock is gonna be up because that was definitely. Um, impressive for him to be throwing his hockey around from that range. Oh yeah, he, he flexed like a motherfucker. He flexed yeah, like it, shit. And normally we only see. That, oh, go ahead. It's CJ. the fact that it's, sorry, it's the fact that he casually just showed us the best hockey feet in the series. Nigga, that's exactly what I was just getting ready to say. Like we've only even seen hockey feats close to that when two high level uh, Kings hockey users are going against each other, and we've seen them clash and open the skies. But like Shanks just did it on his own. I think it's great. It was a great example of Conqueror's hockey and observation hockey. Because everybody is like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, Greenbolt, he feels Shanks hockey from like 50 miles off the coast. Exactly. Nobody's talking about how, like, this nigga Shanks was able to detect this nigga from 50 miles off coast, though. And just like, and flex that nigga. And then flex. <laughs> he, he sent that shit straight in his direction. He ain't just flex. He like, nah, you right. Okay, you right there. Yeah, I know you. I know you feel me right here. Cease and desist, nigga. Cease and desist. And then uh, <laughs> the funny thing about that is the chapter before is they was just talking about like, yeah, we ain't even gonna fuck them on. Let's just go in another direction and do our own thing. Like you had Yasub and shit talking about. I'm not ready to meet the boy. I'm not prepared. <laughs> and so like, the same person. This is literally just Shanks being like, well, let me do this shit real quick before we pull off. Um, and let these yeah. niggas know that you know the goat was here. And for me, this is another Marine Four type moment, and I feel like at the end of every One Piece saga, if Shanks don't show up, it's not a saga, bro. That's a very fair assessment. That's that's fair because what the last time we saw him, he was talking to the girl, say, and that was that was what after Whole Cake Island going into the Reverie, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I, I I see the consensus. You are absolutely right. Yeah, so he he flexed with that, and that that was a moment for me. Like we really saw, um, and and like kudos to Oda, who is really um, he does really well with show don't tell with Shanks, because we, yeah. we don't we don't get a lot of information to Shanks, and the moments that we have from Shanks are not big, um, and he are or not large in duration. They are like big feats, but mm-hmm. he he puts so much in the panels that we get with characters like uh, Dragon, Mihawk, Shanks. And it's really like a showing. You just really have to uh, kind of infer, which is a good thing and a bad thing, because like the agendas go crazy. People definitely go a little bit too wild with you know 
assuming too much from those panels, but I I think it's like dope as hell that Oda has taken that approach with them. Um, what I do caution myself against is I hope we don't get to the point where we like raise our expectations and then no matter what Oda does down the line, we just kind of like that's it, yeah. bro. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I feel it. Um, and I agree. Uh, there's gonna be a nasty. Uh, I I read the spoilers for this uh, for this chapter. There's gonna be a nasty agenda coming. I'm not gonna say shit. It's about to be. It's about to be bad on Friday. I the spoilers on the timeline already, bro. It's Tuesday. Bro, spoilers was out yesterday, hey, bro. They've been on it, man. They've been on it. And that's nuts, bro. This, yeah, they, uh, like three days after the chapter drop, he got spoiled for the next chapter. That's It is about to be Friday's about to be a long day. <laughs> I'm that's definitely crazy. talking my shit. Uh, so that is it for our moment. Um, let's get into the next part. Uh, I always like to do Supernova No Chato and kind of put our post to the um, Twitter audience and see what people think so um the setup for this episode since we're talking about post arc priorities uh we decided to ask is the setup of an arc more important than the culmination of an arc number one we put a twitter poll out there and y'all niggas split it down the middle 50 50 we had 101 votes though so i'm wondering which one got 51 and which one got 50 votes uh it's looking like yes got the 51 though because twitter checked yes but correct yeah, me if I'm wrong, yeah. Leak, it normally does that no matter what, like whatever the top one is, if they're tied, it wins. Nah. Oh, I think shit. it was the Twitter anti villains or some shit like that. And it was the, the second person that uh, the second option that actually won when they said it was quote unquote tied. It was that was the one that was highlighted. So I think it actually means that the, the other the number the fifty one votes go to yes. All right, well, um, let me go through a couple tweets that we got on the poll. Uh, We got at ABD Wallace. They said, this is an interesting question because if the setup is great, but the end is mid, it creates a greater impact of disappointment. Has the drop from such a high of a good setup is massive. But if the setup is mid and the culmination is good, will I really care if I never got invested for the setup? And they decided to go with no for the question. Uh, so they're saying that the setup of an arc is not more important than the culmination of an arc. Uh, they said, I would rather the setup be mid as hell and the culmination be good. Uh, anybody agree with that or y'all disagree with that? Um, I think I was one of the people that commented and said, like, both are equally important. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like you can't have good setup and then the arc be mid. You know, like you can't have good setup and then a bad arc, and you also can't have a great arc and then a horrible setup because then you're asking questions like, "Okay, where did this come from?" You know, Um, or, or we didn't really get any information about this. And then you also can have the former because it's like, okay, we do all this fire buildup, but the execution is poor. And then you're like, well, damn, all this for nothing? You know, like, it, it could have been so much better. Uh, and I think that was like, um, I think that was one of the critiques that um, Oda got with, like, the ending to Luffy and Kaido's fight, where, you know, we, we get the Gear 5 you know, we get this incredible buildup, you know, from the literally from Punk Hazard, and then you know, Luffy starts doing you know the Toon World shit and ends it with a big punch, 
and you know that's kind of it so i think that's one of the examples of like okay you got a great build-up and then the climax is kind of meh you know i think both of them are the so uh the two sides of the same coin speaking to that we got a uh, keith strange keith on the timeline who uh is with concept moon and also the author of black lotus uh keith said i'm gonna say yes proper setup leads to proper payoff not setting it up right is going to make the climax less impactful. And so my question, based on what Keith said and also what you just said, Pat, is um, we I've seen people talk about mangakas, authors, whoever, hitting their stride midway through an arc. What's the line there? Because if like it took them midway in the arc to kind of hit their stride and get the arc going, are we saying at the beginning was bad and they weren't in a bag yet, or was it just mediocre? And Does it have to be mediocre for you to hit your stride later? I don't want to say it was bad or mediocre, but there is a, a, a thing called a, a slow buildup or a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like in this new age of readers and watchers, you know, everybody wants instant gratification. And, you know, with this series, like, niggas wasn't around, you know what I'm saying, we watching an anime, you know, from the 80s and 90s, you know, when you ain't get your first big fight till, you know, three, four, five episodes in, you know, like everybody wanted, you know, first episode. Um, so I, I, I can't say that, you know, just because it has a slow start, you know, it, it's bad or mediocre, but you know, uh, you got to make a way for it and build up is the most important thing that you can have. So I, I don't want to say that, you know, it, it's mediocre, but you know, I, I'd rather it be too slow than too fast, if that makes sense. Cause I've seen anime with, you know, horrible pace and it's like, okay, damn, like, okay, this is happening, and this is happening, and then this is happening. Like, um, I think I got the anime in my head, but I can't think of um, a comic got killed. Prime example. You know, mm-hmm. great execution, terrible buildup. Okay, like, that, that. that's, probably, that's probably the best example I can give you. Like, an anime with great peaks, but it's like... Not only do I not really care about how we got here, I'm really confused on it because everything just happened so quick. So niggas I think started dying randomly. Niggas was yeah. dying off, and it's like, huh? How we get and here, it bro? It was predictable because you knew, like, every episode when it was centered okay. around a specific character. Oh uh, yeah, this day episode. Yep. About to die. yep. It felt yep. like uh, when you watching, like, when you binge in a TV show and you think you fucked up and missed the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, when it comes to like uh, a mediocre ending, I think a lot of people pointed like Naruto, the fourth great ninja war. But I, I personally think that's a horrible ending to things. Um, a mediocre ending for me. Um, I'm gonna throw this one over to CJ. I think the dark tournament has a very mediocre ending, all things considered. The way it's been set up and the way it goes. I, I was pissed at the end of the dark tournament. Bro, they, yeah, they pretty much like was, you yeah. get you get Genkai back, Kurabar is still alive. Uh to girl, you find out that he's really a nobody. Like we thought this nigga was the epitome of, of strength and toughness based on his Dragon Ball hey, wishes oh, to be doesn't really die. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't really die. Yeah. And it, like I very mediocre ending to me. I won't say it's absolute trash, um, because I think it could be worse. But very mediocre. How, how like how do you feel about endings like that, CJ? Or did you even feel that way? Honestly, uh, to answer your question, when it comes to the peak of an arc, I feel like when it comes to the actual reception of that, um, if an arc reaches its 
like real peak when it comes to content with with fights or storytelling or whatever. I feel like if the ending is the ending can be hard to it it can be hard to do. Like no matter what you do, no matter if you think it's right, I feel like 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 fourth grade ninja war is a really good example of this, right? Like there was a lot of action in the fourth grade ninja war. So the ending kind of calming all of that down and then everything happening with Sasuke finally meeting defeat and everything, it was just like abrupt, you know? Yeah. And that can lead to some people thinking it's like mediocre or not really a good ending to, you know, bring closure to whatever happened in that arc. Uh, me personally, I thought the dark tournament ending was fine. Of course, I'm I'm rewatching to refresh my memory and all that because it's been years. But but back then, I didn't have too much of a problem with it. But fourth grade Ninja War, like you said, the ending was mediocre. I kind of agree. But I also kind of give them credit for what they did do because it, it, it's hard to bring like real peak content to to a close. You know, uh, I think and it is trying to keep your fan base satisfied. I, I think the the biggest difficulty with Naruto was just that the One Piece uh Madara was just overhyped and it was just nothing that uh uh Kishi could yes, do with that name. That's a very that's a very perfect example actually. Yeah, it's the fact that they made Madara way too strong for them and they just suddenly bring oh Madara is not the big bad, it's now Kaguya. So when writers kinda write themselves into a hole like that, it's it's hard to climb out of it. And then I think- I'll go ahead back. No, I'm sorry. Oh, I so I think like a lot of people have an issue with like how the fourth grade ninja war. Well, like with how Naruto ended with the fourth grade uh for, <laughs> with the with the ninja war. I'm sorry. Um, I think a lot of people have a problem with how it ended, but I think people have an issue with it because they don't read or watch Boruto. Um. The fourth grade Ninja War was a transition into Boruto. It wasn't necessarily the end of the franchise. And it set up everything, you know, for what's happening in Boruto right now. And I know, like, hella people, you know, they make jokes about Boruto, you know, they clown it, you know, whatever on the TL, you know. But I think because a lot of people, like, aren't in the Boruto or they haven't read or they haven't watched it, like, they just assume, like, okay, well, this is the end-all, be-all. I don't have to care about anything else. Whereas, like, this set up the next couple arcs for Boruto, for the franchise itself to continue. So, like, I think it could have been done a lot better because who's, you know, watching a series about Ninja and then Aliens? But I think that... It catches a lot of unnecessary slack just because it wasn't the end, and a lot of people aren't watching Boruto just because they didn't really care for the first couple episodes in the anime. I think what Naruto could have did, like Yu Yu, <clears throat> the same way that after like Tagoro and everything was done, it came out that he was just what was he B tier, like upper or lower B tier yeah. or some shit. Yeah, he was B tier. He was B tier. They could have just did the same thing with, with Madara, like they could have struggled through that fight, put their all into yeah. it, barely scraped through. And then you use that to actually transition to the next arc in Naruto. But the fact that that was supposed to be the ending to Naruto, um, mm-hmm. that was just, it just doesn't fit in that context. And then yeah. the, I, I agree with you because Boruto is basically the Naruto and Sasuke show for a very long time. Like you're really yeah, watching for, the for them. So like, I don't even know why that's called Boruto. I, like, I <laughs> feel like they should have just took all that and just included Naruto and I would have made uh, moderate fucking fit in better 
with that story. Yeah. But, but since he's supposed to be the end villain, he's the final Dr. Robotnik of the game, mm-hmm. it just is disappointing. Yeah, I don't think they told us before the fourth fourth Red Ninja War ended that there was going to be a Naruto sequel. No, I don't. No, I don't think they, that we was. we had no idea that there was going. Yeah, because we got we got we got Naruto the last. For that that had gotten announced. I want to say like during the war, um, we got the movie announced, and I want to say like while they were hyping the movie up when that dropped, that's when we got the announcement for the Boruto movie. So it's like we get all the way through the arc. Then you spring this alien villain on us and kind of change the dynamic of the ending. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't really. I mean, to me, it was. It was kind of like how Bleach did it with eyes. Like, oh, it was, I was manipulating these things the whole time. You found out it was fucking Black Betsu doing all this shit. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so now we have this random ass alien chick. Mm-hmm. And then it ends finally with the fight we were supposed to have. Naruto versus Sasuke. They reconcile. Naruto mm-hmm. gets married. That's the end. And then it's like, ah, surprise, we making Boruto. And then you make Boruto, you start that off with a bunch of fucking filler. Yeah. And you basically center that shit around Naruto and Sasuke. Like, that literally is the only reason people tuned in was to watch Naruto and Sasuke. Then they have yeah. reasons to, to nerf both of them. Mm-hmm. Literally every scene that was posted or, like, had, like, real good animation was about those two. Yeah, yeah so, I don't... I'm I, sorry. I think the, I think the build-up was just too much and since they decided to end it there I think that's what really sullies like the Naruto name if they had just took the stuff that was going into Boruto and kept it going as as Naruto uh, the next generation or whatever because like we got Naruto and we got Shippuden they could have just threw another name on the end of it and I think that would have went over better than actually ending the series and bringing a Boruto but it does bring me to the yay or nay for the day um, since we're talking about like the build up and stacking of multiple arcs and how you know different plot elements transfer across uh, across them, the yay or nay is um, yay or nay. So yes or no, a story is bad if arcs don't get better each time. Nay, I disagree. CJ, I would say nay too. We got four nays here. Um, let me hear some reasons why. Uh, CJ, let me start with you. It's a hard question. It's, it's a hard question, honestly, but I mainly disagree because the. I'm sorry, you mind repeating the question again? A story is bad if arcs don't get better each time. So, like, if every arc isn't better than the last, then it's a bad story. Yeah, I would say nay, because there are some peaks early on in a series. Like, a series doesn't have to go like on an uprise every single time for it to be considered good. There can be some kind of calm stuff in between. I wouldn't necessarily call calm like filler, but, or slice of life. Like, uh, what's, what's, what's one good series with the example of that? Let's see. Naruto had, let's say Naruto Shippuden. They had the Kazukage rescue art start up as a banger. Uh, Sasuke and Sayark was a little Sayark was a little calmer, so I would consider that as like a decline, decline hype wise. I mean, sure Sasuke showed back up, but in between like the Kazakage rescue arc and like the pain arc, it was it was real calm. I mean, there were some deaths here and there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the series is bad or boring. It just allows things to build up, you know. I feel that, Pat. 
Um, I don't think each, I don't think like the next arc has to be better, you know what I'm saying, than the, the one before it. I will say that it, it has to be just as good as though. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to, you know, top peak, you know, like, you know, you, you can't just, eventually you're going to get to a, to a cliff and it's like, okay, this shit can't get any better than this. So you're doing the absolute most now. And um, I think that's kind of like where Naruto was a victim of. It's like, okay, like, you know, I didn't hit you with the the pain invasion, you know, like, um, we didn't got, you know, Shikamaru finally avenging Asuma, you know, Naruto finally mastered the Rasen Shuriken. Like, we go from all these arcs back to back. So I was like, okay, we got the fourth grade ninja war. Like, now we got to finish it on a high note. I you did too much now. Now you ruined it, you know? So I don't think that this arc has to be better than the next, but it has to be just as good. I'm more concerned about consistent good arcs than you trying to top one arc over the other. Okay. I'm with that. Uh, Leek, you got opinions on this? Yeah. So in my opinion, the next arc's sole job, like its primary job is to progress the story and continue to build the world. Unless it's the last arc of the, the show or whatever. That's the only job that the next arc has. It doesn't have to be the same hype machine. It doesn't have to have more fights. It doesn't have to do any of that. As long as it's progressing the plot, progressing the story, continuing to build the world, or revealing more things, it doesn't have to be better. At the at the very least, you can't have it to where it just doesn't make sense. The arc just has to make sense, and it has to continue the story. So if you go from a, what, like a fucking um, first arc out of the time skip in One Piece, um, <clears throat> it's not Saba Odi, but um, after Saba Odi, when they go to um, Fishman Island, Fishman Island, you go to Fishman Island. Is Fishman Island better than them coming back from the time skip in Saba Odi? I don't personally think so, but it progresses the story. You find out what Neptune is. Arc after that, I think is what Punk Hazard. <clears throat> and yep. Punk Hazard is not some crazy arc where a bunch of shit is happening. But it connects you to Kaido. You find out who's doing all this shit behind the scenes. Who, who is Joker? Who's making a smile through? Like, you don't necessarily have to keep going up. You can kind of level out and progress the story and add to it and continue to build the background, build the lore. And it doesn't take away from the story if it's not just as good or better. I think the beauty of Punk Hazard Leak is that, like, you also get more One Piece lore because you find out about the falling out with Akainu and Aokiji during the time skip, and you exactly. find out climate is the way that it is. So I think that 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 that's also the beauty of a beautiful transition, you know, especially with One Piece. You know, what I'm saying we actually got like a lot of lore with why this place is the way that it is, on top of everything that you just mentioned. Oda has so much responsibility to put. Hella story, like off screen story. Cause like we complain about how much this nigga owe to off screens, but think about it. The size of the One Piece story, he has no choice but to off screen hella stuff. As we be here all day. Um, so like Oda has so much responsibility to put so much information into into, you know, small moments, like I was saying earlier. And with the with Punk Hazard, like you learn so much. You learn about the changing of order that happened after Marine Four. You learn about you get uh, for the power scalers, you get like a, a context of what these niggas' abilities really look like, um, and what their endurance, like duration of strength, all that looks like. Um, and then, like you guys already said, it connects you to Kaido, the further story, like all that happened in probably a couple chapters. And you just like, 
I don't even think people grasp all that information right away. I agree, bro. Um, Oda does a masterful job of like giving us tons of information, but like putting it in a way where it doesn't like overload us. I think his concept with like, you know, the seagulls flying and dropping the newspaper off. Like, I, I think that's a beautiful way for him to like do his info dumps because you're prepared for it at this moment. You know, like once you see them birds flying and you see big news, Morgan's in the background laughing, you're like, oh yeah, we finna get some shit. Hey, that and nigga so, big news hey, be talking this shit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> about the significance of the fucking seagulls, how minor it is, but how incredibly significant it is to the story with just disseminating information yes yeah yeah i was i would say my favorite thing after an arc is the seagulls dropping off the new bounty posters new bounties two things after arc i'll be ready to see is seagulls and uh i like to see that that mystery shot of just the din din mushi and I'm yeah. wait, I'm waiting to see who the fuck finna be on the phone, bro. Let's figure out what, what this call finna we'll be go, about. Cause somebody always gonna be on the phone. <laughs> we don't know who, but somebody's gonna be on the phone. Bro, these niggas be talking like somebody grandma. Like, hey, let me tell you about Miss Sue down the way. They didn't did some shit in Wado. Y'all still there? Yeah, yes, sir. My, my bad. I was talking. I was muted. Yeah, that was um. Yeah, you you right, bro. Um, cause we saw um we saw Green Bull, you know his silhouette a couple arcs ago. Then um, I think we saw Blackbeard like that same arc too, though. Yeah, so I'll be I'll be excited for those parts, the the transition and everything. Um, you know, tying yep. tying to the episode, uh, these post arc priorities. So we we talking about like the seagulls and the Din Din Mushis. Um, that's definitely we get a lot of world building and kind of like uh plot advancement with those moments which are really important to me as a reader but i'm curious like what's important to y'all as a reader are y'all looking for character development are y'all looking for uh the introduction of new stakes like what is it that's kind of coming your way as the reader that you want to see me me personally oh sorry about that bro um me personally I like seeing more of obscure characters and I'll use Shanks as an example. Like we talked about this earlier. Uh, Shanks is a character where he's not really hyped up uh, by other people. He just shows up, does a feat or two and then just leaves. But since we are approaching the end game of one piece, we're going to see more and more of him. So I just like when characters kind of live up to the expectations that the fan base kind of creates, you know? Like with uh, the whole hockey situation, like we we saw him split the sky with Whitebeard a long time ago, and ever since then we saw him stop the war in Marineford. I mean, he hasn't done much fighting, but he shows us gradually that he's obviously you know a yonko. But now seeing his hockey feet, and then the fact that eventually we're going to see him fight, I'm pretty sure um, it ties into character development a little bit, but it more so ties into just exceeding expectations or living up to expectations that you create from, from head cutting alone. Definitely. Uh, I think, uh, I like, like I said, I really be into like the, I want to know how the world is expanding what's happening. Uh, I love when they, when uh, authors do a great job of mixing in new elements of the story uh, with the expansion. So like things that already existed, but we just didn't know they existed. Uh, One New gym in Gaka, I think that does this really well is Gege. Uh, his transitions 
through arcs, through moments and everything, he's masterful with that shit. I think he does a great job of uh, introducing information that you probably already inferred from the story, but he confirms it and uses uses it as a tool to expand his uh, expand his world that you're already looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, 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 a, I'm a I'm I'm a JJK stand myself. Um, that transition from Shibuya to uh, Cullen Game. It was boy, it was, that's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, that was some good shit right there. Y'all man. see, y'all I, see the Ali yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work, <laughs> But no, nah, that, that transition was crazy. The only the only transition that's kind of rivaled that for me recently has been a fire force transition. Um mm-hmm. between uh and I don't even know the names of the arcs. I call it uh the introduction of God arc and um the the, the what's real arc. And so as they like transition between these two arcs, they you find out that everything is not what it seems. And then you instantly get like uh key confirmers that help you like really be stabilized in the new world. Cause if you didn't get these things that happened in between those two arcs, you wouldn't know what the fuck is going on. But it's so subtle that it just it makes sense and it clicks. Um and it fits because if you happen to go back through the story, which I did later. All of these elements always existed, but the way they existed, you just you don't pay attention to any of it. It just it doesn't exist to you because it's not a part of the story yet. And then once you find out, like uh, you find out, like um, it would be like waking up in a simulation, like in the Matrix or something. Once you find out what the simulation is and you know what the real is, you can still go back and see everything. So it's always been there. You just like you was blind to it. That shit was perfect for me. Um, it has been the only transition that I think that rivals. Uh, what goes on in JJK? I think that's that's the beauty of foreshadowing and callbacks. I think, um, I, personally, I think foreshadowing is like it's like a dark horse, but it's like one of the most important things in transitions when you're trying to set up like the long game. Um, and I feel like I feel like some mangaka obviously do it better than others. Uh, like we were talking about earlier, you know what I'm saying, with like the Sasuke retrieval arc, you know, like we saw Sasuke kind of going down a different path from all of his classmates, literally from like episode two, when he was introduced and you found out he wanted to kill Itachi, you know, so it's like playing the long game, like that's the beauty of transitioning in between arcs, in my opinion, or in like uh, JJK, you know, when we found out that there's a traitor, you know, and then... Uh, I want to say it was, it was right after um, it was right after Death Pain. This most recent arc in the anime it was right after Death Pain. That's when we actually find out who the traitor was and why they did it. And you know, we kind of get the conclusion from that, and it leads into you know the Gojo flashback and then Shibuya. So I think um, when it comes to transitions, like foreshadowing is very important, and um, it, it helps you set up for the long game, which makes you know the, the the arcs even better because it's like, damn, you know, I can't believe you remembered that shit, you know. So is um is foreshadowing the first thing you like the new foreshadow elements or, um, because I I think when it comes to like post arc, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we just wrapped up. If it's shonen, we'll use shonen as the example. If it's if it's a battle shonen, then we just knocked out, uh, the big baddie most likely, or just uh surpassed whatever the the obstacle was that we had to get through. Mm-hmm. And normally, the first thing I'm looking for is the kind of like the closure. 
to wrap up yeah. all those threads. So if we're talking One Piece, I want to see what the fuck is happening in the kingdom that uh, was just liberated or that maybe like Reverie. Yeah, like Reverie. I want to know. I want to see a world gathering and see those loose threads tied up. Um, and I want to know, a, um, what, like, what are the the ripple effects is going to come from us overcoming this obstacle? And then mm-hmm. B, I want to see some sort of character development, some sort of lessons learned. So, um, yeah. whether they all bandaged up in healing and they're like learning how to cope with whatever new powers they discovered, or maybe it's like a sports anime and they, you know, unlock the new pitch, for example, yeah. uh, from Ace of Diamond. And, you know, now it's like they're kind of trying to grapple with how can they use that in their toolbox going forward. So I want to see those things right after the arc and know, like, Okay, these things are going to be set in stone going forward. I want to know what's real. Yeah, yeah. I think, and I agree. Like, closure is probably the most important thing. I would say that foreshadowing is like the icing on on the cake. You know, it just makes it that much better. You know what I'm saying? Like when something was set up from a while ago, and like it's built up through like different arcs. Prime example, like how the Kaido fight was built up through. Punk Hazard, and then Jess Rosa, and then Zoe, and then Whole Cake Island, and then Reverie, and now we're here, you know? Um, but of course, closure is, you know, it's, it's, it's the most important thing, you know? Well, I mean, it's, it's equally as important as setup, but you got to do it right, you know? So so I agree. Does anybody care about, uh, like, character development post-art right away? I don't know if I call it character development, but I need characters' story arcs to be wrapped up or to come full circle. So, like, if you introduce a character who had an issue or was going through something or was in a process or is in a transition for growth, I need to see how you wrap up his character arc. So, in the case of like Momo, like, okay, we start off with Momo being this person. Now, Momo is an adult. He's a shogun of Wano. And you see him like starting to act like a, like the actual shogun of Wano when it comes to no, we need to handle this ourselves. I'm gonna decide to keep the country closed, et cetera, et cetera. That nigga acting better, but he's still weak as shit. Yeah, he at least he trying to do better. He trying, bro. And I like and <laughs> I think I've been on several podcast episodes not fucking with Momo, just being mad at him for being like just weak and not just weak, weak of mind. Like, weak of mind, weak of spirit, and weak of body. Um, but now he's stronger in body. But most importantly, he's stronger in spirit and of mind. And so, like, that's what I took from the art. Uh, but, like, it's still frustrating that um, now he's stronger of mind and spirit. But there's still not much he can do. So I don't know how effective he'll really be. But that's, like, a running joke that niggas will have about One Piece anyway. Like, yeah, Luffy and them came in and, you know, set things the right way, so to speak. But mm-hmm. is that country or is that area even prepared to maintain the new way of life that Luffy has just allowed them to have? Like, after Luffy walks away, somebody else can probably just slide in and put these niggas right under their thumb. Yeah. I think, uh, what, and see, I'm a, I'm a, Momo should have me on his defense team because that is a child. That, that that baby is eight years old. He just looked like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Your mama, you know what I'm saying? Like, get on somebody for like thinking you was older than what you was. Like, no, my baby eight. Like, it is a baby. Um, But nah, I think if Momo like lives up to the potential that he has, he could be top five in the verse. 
Um, he could. I, I mean, they, they're showing that he's got the best of Odin in his base, and he's got the best of Kaido in his Devil Fruit. I was gonna say, like, if he could do, if he could do everything that Kaido does with Odin's skill set, yeah. Like, Wano's gonna be in good hands, but I think that's why I think uh, Yamato's probably not gonna leave with the Straw Hats because he's gonna stay and, like, help protect Wano and help Momo train. Um, just because, you know what I'm saying, like, last chapter, you know, Momo told um, Yamato, like, don't interfere with the fight. You know, like, right. you know, if you leaving, you know what I'm saying, like, we need to know that, you know, we could take care of, of Wano on our own, and Yamato realized that, you know, okay, they can't. You know, so like I need it here, um, and I could leave. You know, when I want to, because I'm free now. I don't have these cuffs on me. Um, Facts. Leak when yeah, you bouncing came. off what you said, Pat. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, bouncing off what you said, Pat. One thing I appreciate the most about Momo is that he's he's self aware that yeah. he has room to grow. Like that's why he didn't want Yamato to interfere. He could have called Luffy, Zoro, Sanji, and Jinbei to, to pull up, but he was like, nah. If if I can't like grow right here, like how can I be a Shogun Wano? He's still eight years old, like mentally, but he knows the responsibility that he has to grow to be able to, you know, fulfill. So even though he's weak in spirit now, he's self aware that he's weak in spirit, he got, and, he, he and, he's, and he's real humble about it. Yeah, he got a heart. He got a heart. You do. I, I, I think like. With Momo, I think the beautiful thing about him is like he's been thrown in the situation where he's been forced to perform. Like whenever Kaido went down, like nobody else was about to catch Onigashima. If Momo didn't do it, it was about to be a wrap for Wano, you know. Um, and then on top of that, like he learned the bolo breath like on the spot. So I think like he's He's got the heart to fight now. I don't think he's afraid to defend Wano. I think now it's just him training and actually learning how to use his new body and his abilities. Because even when, um, you know, when they first showed him, like, the chapter after we got the character design for Adult Momo, like, everybody was joking, you know, like, your body is so sturdy now. You know, like, he still has to get used to him being that strong, you know, and that durable. So I think... um in time, like, Momo, he really is going to become top five, but we got to remember, like, he just became an adult, what, I think it was a week, a week ago? Yeah, he just the- he just got yeah. about this life. And I yeah. and I will say, uh, <clears throat> to Leek's point of what he cares about, like, post-arc is that, that character kind of wrap-up. Um, Momo's biggest glaring, obvious pain point was, like, fortifying his mental and his spirit. Um, we knew that because of the the seed that he came from, that he was going to have strength no matter what. But it was really like getting that mental in his heart together that he did not get the opportunity to, to fully gain or properly gain from Odin to like walk in his steps to learn that. And yep. as a as a as a child that lost his father early, I definitely identify with Momo for that reason, which is probably why I also found a lot of frustrations in him, like to see. The, the pain and the path that I walked and probably while I was looking at Momo like, man, bro, you need to get that shit together. Um, a, yep. a question I have for Leek, though, was um, everything you were saying, did that apply to um, permanent, like, long-term characters? Or does that apply to temporary characters that were only a part of that arc? Or both? Um, somewhat both. I feel like it depends on the arc. Because in, like, a particular arc, you introduced new characters who had issues going on in that arc. I feel like you should wrap up the direct issues that relate to the arc. But on also on a larger scale... 
characters that have been going through the process of development, they need to show some type of progress. So, like, in a sense of, like, maybe Asanji, okay, he wrapped up, he decided he's not going to have the raid suit, he ended up going through his transformation, and he's okay, and he's secure with himself now that, like, okay, even though I kind of changed, you know, I, like he told Zoro, if I'm not me, kill me, he's now securing himself, like, I'm not just a seed of Germa. I don't have to use this raid suit. Like, I'm good. But his his character is still going to progress. The only issue I have right now in Wano is we still need to wrap up Zoro's arc. There's still a lot of questions we have for Zoro, and I feel like those need to be addressed before we move on properly. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, Oda Left is hanging on a lot about Zoro. Um, or maybe we just had... We put too much on our on our expectation plate that we wanted for Zoro based on like what we knew was coming and, and the setups we had. Um, but me personally, I don't want to subscribe to that. I, I do feel like Oda alluded to a lot of things we was going to get from Zoro, and it just, uh, I, I don't feel like it got delivered on all fronts. But He kept, um, peppering, he kept peppering in details about him being related to this person, looking like this person. Oh, well, I'm going to go visit the grave after it's done. It's like, bro, there's still a lot to be answered when it comes to Zoro. This is supposed to be Zoro's quote-unquote arc where we finally get to understand a lot more about his character, and we got some. But like not enough. But to be honest, um, if I'm looking at it, like if I take a step back and look at it, right, um, we had whole cake, which was Sanji's art, and we thought that, or a lot of the community thought that Sanji was going to put on this big display of strength. Um, but it's kind of looking to me now that we have Zoro's art, uh, that Oda has kind of warped the arcs around those characters to do what he's always had them do. Sanji has always shown his ability to like be creative in how he thinks and to make the best of situations to strategize. Uh, and um, his personality has been a leading trait for Sanji. It hasn't always just been overwhelming strength and whole cake highlights a lot of that about Sanji. Um, but I do think niggas was frustrated because the expectation when you say it's Sanji's art and a battle shown is that Sanji finna have a huge transformation upgrade and do this other stuff. Yeah. Now he got those moments in Wano um, and I think we had this expectation to get a lot of backstory and development about Zoro, but what we did get was, uh, like big Zoro badass moments, um, which has been true to Zoro's character from the start. And I wonder if like these being the arcs was just kind of like highlighting the things that Oda has always done best for them and not exactly doing the other stuff that I think we were looking for, but maybe didn't get like, are we even supposed to feel disappointed in what we got? I think it's fair to um I think it's fair to, to feel disappointed because you had expectations. Um but like we do know that Oda has a formula that he stands by and I think like we, we gotta remember that like we could safely say that Any's lobby was probably like Robin's you know, but like we knew that Robin wasn't just like Robin had a moment like when she broke Spondum's back, but we knew that she wasn't just gonna have like some huge big fight, you know. Um, and so like with the Sanji thing and whole cake, I didn't like I was one of the people that assumed like okay, Sanji was gonna have like these huge moments, you know, these, these big fights, and he got some cool moments there, especially you know, his speed feet when he kicked the shit out of Oven and Oven didn't know what hit him. Um, which one of you niggas kicked me? Which one of you niggas kicked me? That was exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Yo, like, that's what happened to Oven. But, um, I appreciate... Now that it's all said and done, I, 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 I'm glad that Oda didn't give us, like, the big Sanji fight thing. 
uh, I'm glad he didn't cater to the meathead in us because now, you know, it's safe to say that when it comes to dip in One Piece characters, Sanji's top five. You know, like, it made me appreciate Sanji's character a whole lot more. And then on top of that, you know, um, we found out, you know, like, why he was actually able to compete with, like, some of these monsters, you know, as, as well as he could is because, you know, he's kind of a cyborg, you know, or kind of an android on some shit, you know? Um, his dad toyed with him when he was a kid, you know, and did all these procedures or whatever. So, uh, I... Yeah, I would have liked to have seen Sanji get this huge, huge fight in Whole Cake Island, but I think like once we get Sanji versus Queen animated, it'll make up for that. Because Sanji, he been snapping in Wano. But um, I, I, I like the way that Oda took it in, in Whole Cake Island. And I think like with Zoro, yeah, I wish we would have got some more backstory, but I'm just I'm starting to think like, man, look, we saw Queen fall down them stairs. That's about all we gonna get from Zoro. <laughs> like that, nothing more. I'm about to give up. <laughs> it's like Zoro is that one wing where, to me, it feels like Oda is not trying to give him too much depth over others, but just to give him these real badass moments because he's that he's that meathead first mate of the Straw Hats. Whereas Sanji, he got his whole he got his whole backstory. He got his character progression. But Zoro just been getting cool moments in Wano when we thought Wano was going to be Zoro's art. And, you know, the revelation of Conqueror's Hockey, he's, he got Enma, but not too much on his backstory. I feel like that's what Zoro's progression is all going to be. It's just him getting stronger and stronger and stronger, which yeah. is cool. A lot of people like the lore more than anything, and, and I, I, I'm not mad at that, but I just think that that's just what Oda's intending with Zoro. Like, he did throw in that backstory, but I kind of feel like he's retracting from giving him too much debt for that reason alone, just to live up to his reputation of being a meathead. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I don't want to say meathead, but I think a lot of people critique, like, Zoro's lack of death and, like, more emphasis on strength. Like, everybody forgets, like, Zoro's goal is a strength-based title. Like, he right. wants to be world's strongest swordsman, you know? So, like, we right. have to constantly see him doing strong nigga shit, you know? Like, yeah. so because of that, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, we got to get some emphasis to Sanji. All right, well, cool. Sanji wants to be strong, you know what I'm saying? But, like, his goal is to find the all blue, you know? So we could toy around with Sanji's dip a little bit more. Whereas when we see Zoro, like, we have to show him getting stronger because whenever he get ready to meet Big Mihawk, like, he got to be ready, you know? You said that perfectly Facts. strong nigga shit. <laughs> and Zoro, Zoro does get depth because, um, like, he has the moments where he checks Luffy and that shows his ability to, oh, read, yeah. the to read the room and know the moment. Um, Kind of last part of this conversation I really want to get into is... Uh, where are you guys like? What's the cutoff for being introduced to new stakes? And um, like stories that do that I think have done stakes well. Um, of course, sports animes do stakes really well when you're stepping into a new arc because um, they introduce what the goal is, what the big team is, the tournament that's coming, what happens if they don't make it. You know, the third years are leaving, shit like that. Um, a battle, Shonen has done it well. Uh, would have to be Hell's Paradise. Um, that's such a short and succinct uh, succinct story, but um, when you step into a new arc, you know kind of like the the stakes that are on the line. You know where everyone stands health-wise, HP-wise. Um, you know the new relationships, which relationships are in danger of not making it through. Um, so they, they do introduction to stakes well, and maybe a, 
a saying that I think does it well is uh, kind of parasite. I think the the logical and technical nature of parasite when you're like progressing through that story, the new stakes are introduced really well and you get them like pretty quickly into the new arcs. But like for you guys as readers, um, how soon do you want the stakes? Do you need them right away or can you wait till like the middle of the arc? How does that work out for you? Um, I was about to say, you know, another scene in that does it well, Kingdom. Nah, uh, we go. Let's uh, if if let's that's the case, if that's the case, villain does that shit amazing, bro. I'm gonna throw villain yeah, out there too. And if niggas not reading villain, then get on the get on the gas, bro. Yeah. Oh, nah. Um, for me, I think when it comes to stakes and like where we get them, I, I think it depends on where we where we are in the overall in the overall story. You know. Like, I don't want, you know what I'm saying, like, the world about to blow up, you know what I'm saying, in, like, the final the final three episodes of a series. It was like, well, well, shit, where did this come from? You know, like, give us time to actually care about this. Like, give us time to flesh it out and, and, and build it up, you know? Um, like, prime example, you know what I'm saying? Like, look at what, you know, JJK is, is doing with the culling games. You know, right now, you know, um, we know that Kenjaku, you know, he's going crazy, you know, with all these curses. Um, he's really trying to bring the existence of curses worldwide. And because of Ghetto's ability, you know, since he's in Ghetto's body, we know that he can manipulate, you know, he can control curses. You know, so we know that, like, if he can get the entire world to like find out about the existence of curses, like he's going to be unstoppable for the most part. And we find, you know what I'm saying? We find this out, you know what I'm saying? Like in the beginning of the culling games, you know, when we're transitioning into, we find out, you know, about the long game, you know, and I think that that's beautifully done, you know, like you're giving us time to care about it. You're showing us, okay, like this is what could happen if this guy actually accomplishes his goal. You know, I think a hint of, what happens if the antagonist wins? Like that's something right there to, that that will make me care about you know um, the end game. You know, um, so I think yeah, I, I think that's it. So if the stakes don't come early enough, you just, you don't give a fuck about anything. I won't say that I won't give a fuck. It's more so I, I may have to lower my overall rating because you know, like, why did you give it to us this late? You know, like, we go back to Naruto, prime example. Like, okay, we got moderate, and boom, you give us Kaguya. Well, shit, okay? Like, it's not to say that I, I, I wouldn't have cared about Kaguya. I may have cared about her a little more if you put her in at a different time, you know, or if you gave us Madara earlier, or if you did another arc after this with Kaguya. Not just okay, well, these are the final 25, 30 chapters of Naruto and boom, Kaguya figured this shit out, you know? Leek, CJ, how y'all feel about stakes? I think that uh, I don't need the stakes immediately, but they have to tie into the fallout of the previous arc. So if you have real world, like huge real world implications coming from your previous arc that affect the direction of the story or the facts like where the characters are going, then you should get those stakes fairly soon. But if that was like, if there's like a, not for lack of a better word, like a lull in the story, like there's peace or like that, a major part of the story is ended and it's wrapped up and you're trying to segue into a new chapter or a new uh, subject or theme, 
then I think you need to slowly build into that theme if it doesn't directly relate to what you just finished. So it kind of depends on how the story is going. Because in most shonen, the fallout from an arc is very direct, is very uh, overarching into the story. So like you're going to know exactly what the, the fucking stakes are very soon because... Oh, because Sasuke left the village, just bam. Now he's with Orochimaru. We know Orochimaru's trying to take his body. And it's like, oh, shit. We got to get Naruto to a strength level to whatever, whatever. So it's like, and stuff like that, it's kind of a domino effect. Where in other stories, like a seinen or, um, or even like a sports anime, if the end of an arc is like, oh, we lost in the tournament, then it's like, okay, well, the next tournament don't start in a week. You might have a couple months period of having to train and go back to the grind board and it's like but if you introduce the stakes immediately it's kind of like a runaway train and it's like you don't have a period of uh to actually progress the character and progress the story pain song man that's a fact <laughs> pain song man <laughs> man uh well about stakes i really i really love when they properly exemplify like what the consequences are uh, like sports anime, you really, it's the same kind of stakes in a, any sports anime. It just, you know, if you lose a tournament, then, you know, the third years graduate, they don't get to fulfill their goals or whatever. With Battle Shonen, it's like tournament arcs, for example. They're kind of similar to tournaments in sports anime where, cool, just try again next time. But like war arcs, that can decide the fate of everything. So, I really love when shonen anime kind of their war arcs are kind of like their their peak, you know, fourth grade ninja war, uh, uh, Wano, and then One Piece eventual final war arc. Um, Shibuya is not really a war arc, but Shibuya is another good example. They properly tell us like what the consequences are if they don't like do this, you know, and then that adds to the suspense. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of high stakes as long as they properly show like, oh, what happens if this is done or what happens if this is not done? I feel that. Um, it seems like everybody fuck with the stakes. We some stake niggas. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So a uh, special uh, segue question real quick. So if I'm a reader of God Punch and has the author of God Punch, Pat, Mm-hmm. Um, are your priorities as an author the same as your priorities as a reader? Yeah. Um, as as a consumer of content and as a writer of content, uh, I, I think I have a good idea. Well, I, I know what I expect from things that I read and watch. And so um, I, I definitely take that um, perspective, you know what I'm saying? Like whenever I'm writing things out, um, uh, I've noticed that like people love hype shit, you know, and so like, well, if that's what people like, then cool, that's what I'm gonna give you. But I'm gonna make sure that I do my part as a writer to make sure that you know, like, you know, I'm not slacking, you know, like I'm, I'm giving you a ten out of ten, and it makes sense. Um, so I, I definitely, you know, try and try and time my perspective as a writer and as a consumer, you know, um, into the back of my mind whenever I'm doing God Punch, uh, because I know what people like. I know what they expect. I know what I like. And, you know, um, you got to make sure it makes sense as well. So it's just trying to find that balance. 
Definitely, definitely, yeah. I've been curious about that this whole episode because um, I was wondering if it's possible to be, you know, a reader to expect certain things from the stories you read and then to actually be writing a story and not, um, like, that's not your priority with the story, like, if that would change. Could you imagine I, a situation where that would change at all? Or you think it would be fake to the, like, it wouldn't be authentic? Um... I think with being a reader, you know what I'm saying, like, of course, you know, you expect things, and as a writer, you know what I'm saying, like, you have a vision, you know what I'm saying, for how you want your story to go, so I think, you know, finding the balance between, like, making sure you tell your story the way that you want to, and giving the audience that fan service that they want is important, but even if, you know what I'm saying, like, I I steer away from what, you know, my readers wanted or they expected, I'm gonna make sure that, like, you get something that's just as good, if not even better. You know, like some shit that you didn't even know you needed. Um, but of course, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I still do want to cater to the fan base, you know? So, you know, making sure you get your fan service moments, that's fine, you know? But ultimately, you know, I got a vision and I'm just trusting the readers to, to, to walk with me through this journey like they have, man. And walk with you, they shall. Um, have you guys announced when, when the next chapter going to be dropping? Yeah, so God Punch number four is actually in production right now. Um, there's some things that we're working on that I have to tell you after this. Um, <laughs> I can't say on the pod that's holding up God Punch number four. No problems, though. Um, I can tell you that what we've decided to do, um, when we finish God Punch number four, we're not going to drop it. We're going to go on and work on God Punch number five. So um, the goal is for us to, um, we're going to do a Patreon eventually, you know what I'm saying? Kind of like a fast pass, like what Webtoon does. Um, so we could always have a chapter in the tank, you know, um, and that way it won't be so much pressure in trying to get one out. You know, if we got something going on and we can't, you know, get to the artwork right now, you know, all right, cool. Well, we got one chapter that we haven't dropped. We can go ahead and release that to the public. But, you know, we're just trying to, you know, stay stay a little ahead of the of, of the ball, you know, um, so I, I I talked to Yende about this. He said we could probably expect four around October, and that's just because we're waiting to drop it since we want to do five as well. But four is definitely in production. Um, I've been dropping like some uh, some screen recordings of Yende's work, the manga panels, um, and I could start dropping those again for people who want to see you know what it looks like and you know how we transition from chapter three to chapter four. Bad, bad, bad. Um, oh, my other question was, how many chapters do y'all think you're going to drop before we can get, like, a, a hardback value? Oh, yeah. Um, we already decided that um, we're going to do nine chapters of volume. Um, right. Yeah, so the idea is to honestly try and get the volume complete by my birthday, which is in February. Um, but, yeah, nine chapters per volume. Um We've already been talking volume designs, hardback covers, things of that nature. Um, the theme that we're gonna go with for the volume. So yeah, we're we're definitely trying to you know do do the traditional uh, manga style you know with the volumes. Um, so yeah, you be on the lookout for that. But nine chapters of volume—that's what we're looking at. That's perfect, bro. Um, does anybody have any last comments they want to add into this episode that you think I missed? Oh, okay, well, fuck y'all niggas. <laughs> no, I was gonna say the nothing comes to mind for me. Leak usually got some, bro. I'm actually shocked. I mean, I'm. I feel like you checked off everything that we wanted to touch on as far as the topic. That's crazy. Not me being in my bag, bro. Let's go. 
Yes, sir. Um, so I guess since we are at the end of the episode, this is that perfect time where I like to take a moment and let the guests highlight themselves, promote themselves, talk about everything they got going on. We have talked about Studio Model and God Punch, but I know Pat uh, and CJ probably got like official pitches and shit they got to get off. LCN might be upset. Yeah, he would kill me, um, quite literally. Uh, <laughs> no, man, um, we we we've been we've been working hard, man. Um, I'm so proud of the team. Um, I. I, man, look, I, I wasn't at DreamCon. You know, it was my anniversary weekend, you know, so I already wasn't going. Then, you know, I got the flu, you know, so I couldn't even, you know, spend time with my lady for my anniversary. But um, the team went out to um, Arlington and, like, man, we had a booth and, like, and, you know, they, they, they held it down 100%, man. I, I can't tell you how proud I am, you know what I'm saying, of the team. And it's just beautiful, you know what I'm saying, that, like, this was something that, you know, I thought of in like 2015, you know, with an idea for God Punch and like 2022, you know, shit, I got my own crew, you know, and they don't even need me to go with them to, to handle business and put on, you know, so um, it's, it's, it's truly a blessing to have some some ladies and gentlemen, you know, to, to kind of go to war with me like this. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just honored and, and blessed to have them by my side to, you know, go through this crazy journey with, you know, I, I couldn't choose a better group of people, man. That's real, bro. I, um, like I, I told them at DreamCon too, like, uh, I've never met anyone from Studio uh, Maho that didn't feel authentic when I met them. And it's just like, it feels like you got such a great team around you. Everybody is cool. Like they personable, uh, they speak. And they carry themselves with, like, pride and, and confidence. So, like, I really love that about your team, bro. It's always a pleasure meeting them. I was upset because you wasn't there. I asked I asked niggas off back, and they like, oh, yeah, this is anniversary weekend. And, you know, he had other shit going on. I thought they were saying it was your alphaversary weekend. So, I was walking no. around. I was walking around for the whole whole Friday like, bro, this nigga just dodged us for the alphaversary weekend. That's crazy, bro. He could have just – he could have brought the bros up there. No, bro. Alphaversary ain't till November. It was anniversary weekend, and I am much more afraid of my woman than I am the bro. <laughs> hey, I feel you there, bro. <laughs> uh, CJ, you got anything you want to uh, pub up, promote, talk about? The new servers that you just installed? <laughs> well, no, not, nothing like that, but... Um... I just wanted to give another special shout out to Suya Maho. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty new to the team. So like like DreamCon last year I was a- around. I I didn't really I didn't really join the team until much later than that. Pat had, you know, gave me a call and picked me up and asked, Do I wanna do this? And I'm like, Hell yeah. But Pat and I have been cool for years, so I'm glad I'm able to experience that journey with him. Um I have nothing personal to Shout out, I guess. I'm not really working on much on the side. I mean, I guess, like, Pat brought up, like, gaming. Um, I'm going to go back to streaming here pretty soon. But besides that, I mean, it's just same kind of shout out, man. Shout out Studio Maho. Shout out you guys for uh, being so very welcoming of of me, like, not only at DreamCon, but here in the interview and then at the um, Anime After Dark space, which was right after DreamCon. It's just a very, very, very nice vibes, and I'm I'm glad I'm a part of it. Yeah, man, we be trying to keep the vibes going, and, and you know, keep everybody having a good time. That's that's the main goal. 
Yes, sir. Thank you for having us, bro. Like CJ said, man, it's always a pleasure. Always. Uh, so that is the end of the episode. Supernovas. Thank you guys for pulling up and hanging out with us. I know we don't do the pre-recorded episodes as often anymore, but um, I'm still very happy to do these episodes, and I still put a lot of my energy and thought and time and writing into them. So just because we don't do them as often, I feel like I actually enjoy these more because I think I put a little bit more more into them. When it was week to week, I felt like I struggled like really putting as much as I could. And now I feel like I get a lot more out of these episodes. So thank you all for bearing with me as we made the change, uh, you know, more, uh, I guess I'll use the word sporadic or spread out programming here on the pod. And as we add more products or, you know, series, shows, whatever you want to call it, as we add more stuff in, then, you know, y'all get to be around for all that. Uh, Make sure that you guys, if you aren't, go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Worst Generation Podcast. Check us out on that page. Uh, all three of the projects that I participate in currently are on there. A uh, special bonus if you're a content creator, we have The Collective Cafe, which is an interactive uh, space cast that I do with the marvelous Miss Moody Senpai. That's all for free on our Patreon. You can go and check out any of those episodes. We have resources and uh, walkthroughs for different parts of content creation and things to help you along on your journey. Uh, we also have Anime After Dark. On the Patreon, I'm going to be honest, that shit is not free, but it is inexpensive. For as low as $2 a month, you can have access to all of the Anime After Dark episodes. And uh, we just did episode 69 last week. So if y'all want to hear some freak body ass shit, then definitely go check out our Patreon. And all of our Worst Gen Pod episodes are on there as well, as well as uh, Behind the the Scenes and Toxic Boys episodes. Uh, thank y'all for pulling up to this episode. I will be in touch with y'all about the next episode when it's around that time when we have the idea. And uh, yeah, until next time, we out.
strength in a man Is in the woman who packs him up And in you 